0: The go
1: where am I to go, Meet Johnny, Where am I to go For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?
2: Welcome to Where am I to go Podcast? I am so grateful you have chosen to listen to me and to go on the travels and see the things and go to the museums that we have managed to go through for the last two seasons. I have really enjoyed doing this podcast, and I hope you stick with me. It makes me happy to know that people are enjoying what I do. On another note, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we are on Facebook at Where Am I To Go Podcast. We have lots of pictures. We have places that we go that we don't do podcasts on. And we have lots of things to see and think about when you decide you're going to travel or if you're just interested in learning about different places that we go. Also, we have an email account at podcast at gmail.com. And if anybody has any comments, ideas, thoughts, you are more than welcome to email me there. And I will do my best to answer. And we'll see where everything goes this season. I've got some neat things lined up. And I hope everybody is ready to go for a museum tour ride. Hello and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Not every time that we go to a museum are we lucky enough to be able to do a podcast. There's a lot of really cool places that we've been that we haven't gotten a podcast. And today was just one of those experiences. We managed to go to Biosphere 2 just outside of Tucson, Arizona. I think in Oracle, Arizona is where it's at. And we were lucky enough to be able to share the experience with my good friend John and his wife Marie, good friend Marie too. But anyway, John and I have been friends for absolute ever. You may remember John from uh, a podcast that we did a year and a half or so ago called John Travels uh, where we talked about our childhood and different places that we went, things that we did. And we are together here in Tucson. We're having a good time, and we went to Biosphere 2 together. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to try a podcast where the four of us are sitting around a fire tonight, uh, reflecting back on what we did today and what we saw and the experience of Biosphere 2. So let's go ahead and get started and, and talk about Biosphere 2. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so... This morning we got up, we ha- uh, you have to schedule an appointment to get there. Ours was at 1230. The experience was quite a bit different than the experience that Linda and I had uh, about, well, I guess it was just before the lockdowns and the pandemic. Uh, we were here in February and everything got locked down in March. But when we were here then, uh, we went a different route through the tour and saw a lot of different things than what we saw this time. But we may talk, Linda and I may talk a little bit about some of those experiences, but I think we'll just go ahead and talk about uh, Biosphere as we saw it today.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, It is now a a recorded uh, tour. You download an app on your phone, and when you get to different stations, they have little two-minute speeches about what happened or or what was going on in Biosphere 2. And uh, John, why don't you just tell us what Biosphere 2 is? Let's get started that
1: way, I guess. Um, well, before we went, I just had kind of the background that I had on it was what the things that you had told me about it. So, from your previous trip, and it's interesting, you kind of build something in your mind and what you think the experience is going to be, and of course, when you get there, it's it can be completely different. And I, I think that was my experience today because what I had in my mind was a, a terrarium for humans, so to speak. <laughs> that's that's basically what it is. It, 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 I mean, it, yeah, at a high level, it's kind of a, it's a terrarium for, for humans to be in. And so with that in mind, having built terrariums as a kid, uh, I remember having one in my room, and I had you know, little plants and stuff in it, and it was covered with Saran wrap at the top, and it was all you know, moist and all that kind of stuff. This was um, this was very space age looking place when you came to it, right? First of all, you're coming off the, the highway, you turn off, and you look like you're going up into the desert, high desert, into the mountains, and you're thinking, "Wow, this is kind of this is kind of out in the middle of nowhere." But it's and really pretty. It's very pretty. And you know, especially if you like that dry cactus, you know the dry, dry land, cactus, rugged mountains in the backdrop. And when you finally get up to the facility, uh, it, it looks either like something from Star Wars, with a little bit of Jurassic Park mixed into it, you know. And so it was, um, it was an impressive building from the outside, and you just kind of, you could hardly wait for the experience to happen, I guess, once you, once you got out of the car okay and and biosphere
2: 2 started in the mid 70s and it was a group of people that got together they were trying to recreate earth i guess you could say biosphere 1 they say is the earth biosphere 2 is the recreation of earth and they set this up as a self-contained living area for eight people And they managed in the 80s to finally get it completed enough to where these eight people went in and they lived for two years without any outside influence other than a little bit of oxygen after 21 months because their balances weren't right between the CO2 and the oxygen levels, and the people inside started having some health problems. So they had to pump some oxygen in. But other than that, they lived off of what they were able to grow inside of this complex. And uh, what they were—they they had goats, they had animals, uh, some chickens, they had lots of plants, and some of that kind of stuff. But they were pretty much a totally self-contained unit for that two-year period of time, in a recreation of
1: Earth. Mm-hmm. Recreation, yeah. So, and and the thing that was in, the thing that was really interesting about that is. Here again, with that terrarium mindset that I had going into it, I was expecting something much smaller, first of all, and and, and, I, and not so elaborate. I mean, the facility itself is just this, it looks like in a giant erector set...
2: You know, super size. All <laughs> yeah. this
1: this metal frame and then the glass windows that are covering everything. I mean, it's a huge facility. And then you get inside and you realize, yeah, they talk about the different bio zones that they have and yet here you have a desert and then you have the rainforest and you have the, the ocean and I mean it was and it was just way bigger than I thought it was gonna be. It's really big. Yeah. I mean
2: what were some of your thoughts, Marie?
0: What surprised me the most was the kitchen. Um I was expecting it to be really cramped, close quarters, like a little galley kitchen, but it's a full full size like commercial kitchen with all of the appliances that were the newest in the eighties? Yeah. Nineteen eighties when it was built. And a big dining room, and then each of the eight scientists had their own two-story apartment building. I thought it was going to be like one tight bunkhouse.
2: It wasn't a tight bunkhouse at all. Mm-hmm. No. The facilities were huge. Yeah,
1: and that that was a surprise for me, too. I, I envisioned something that was much more... Uh, like early man comes to you know discovers agriculture type of experience you know it was not that it was more like okay we've just landed on Mars and there's this giant facility and everybody's got their own room and big like Marie said big kitchen it was it was a very much a surprise to me to see that
2: right
1: and yeah, what did had... you find Linda
3: well the um, the thing that really was interesting for me was the 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 long the where the air pressure was uh, manipulated,
2: regulated.
3: Yes, and uh, we didn't get to see that this time, but and that was a disappointment because that was probably my most favorite thing to experience is that big, huge lung that kept the air at a certain uh, level in the whole system.
2: For- well, let me elaborate a little bit about what she's what she's talking about you have a biosphere that's all covered in glass and the glass creates heat and you've got the Arizona sun coming in you've got temperature differences between inside and outside they had cooling units to keep the unit cool on the inside uh, by using water running through different types of radiators is my understanding of it and they ran cold water uh, into the biosphere and you had the outside temperature that would be much higher. That would create an unequal pressure. And they had problems with the
1: glass breaking out. So they created these giant lungs.
2: How, how heavy were they? 42 tons or something? Yeah,
1: yeah I can't remember if it was forty thousand pounds or, or what, but it was they were big. And they're and they're like a hundred foot round, they're
2: just huge, and they and they go down when the temperature or pressure needs to uh, change and they also go up kind of like a bladder in a uh, pressure tank for your plumbing and these things were just massive and and when Linda and I were able to go there the first time we were able to go underneath these huge bladders that were working in these lungs And go ahead and tell some more. I just wanted to get a little bit of that background in there as to what they were.
3: And when you go in there, the wind is blowing like 80 miles an hour through there. And uh, it's just incredible the engineering that they accomplished uh, to make this thing work. It's, It's so worth going to see.
2: And that's the part you, you you guys missed out on,
1: yeah <laughs> but but, that, but you know without having that that knowledge that, that you did before, we did our pretenses were all in our head, right we we didn't know what to expect where you had had a previous experience there, so for you, we, you missed out on things, but for us, it was all new, so it, it was um, I, I would say it was a, just a very impressive. Um, science experiments you know you're going in and thinking here again back to that like I don't know if it's Star Wars or if it's Jurassic Park or it's some just bizarre government funded you know secret project you get there and you feel like it's all of those things going on because it's this this massive investment in the building I mean I have no idea what that thing costs but in today's dollars it's got to have been hundreds of millions of dollars to build this it's not a small, maybe even thing. billions. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. In today's dollars, it's probably it could it could be a billion dollars. It's it's huge.
0: And then to maintain it would yeah, be so expensive.
1: Just to maintain it, and that's that's another thing. So when you go into uh, maybe someone's local community, they might have something similar, a terrarium where it would be it would be enclosed, there'd be there'd be glass on it, a geodesic gla- yeah, ge- you know, geodesic dome, and the the glass would be periodically cleaned and things like that. Well, that's not what happened here because you had eight people living in this, this biosphere and there's, there's a million square feet of glass probably in that building. They're not cleaning anything, right? It's about nature taking its course within a sealed environment as much as it can. And that was cool. And, but yeah. not what a person would expect if you're expecting a clean, sterile government environment. Yeah. No. It was stuff growing. It had right. to have
2: been pretty rough living even though everybody had their own quarters and that kind of stuff being locked in a in a facility with seven other people had to have been a lot
1: of fun too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you're dealing with a limited number of personalities for 2 years? Yeah. One mm. was
0: a doctor that was like 67 years old and the others were what in their 30s?
2: That's what they said, yes. Yeah. yeah. And they were and they were engineers. They were scientists. Uh, scientists, botanists. There mm-hmm. was a botanist. A there nutritionist. Was nutritionist
1: and uh, uh, an oceanographer. I can't remember if it was an oceanographer or, or a, uh, um, a marine biologist. I think yes, yeah. so, something. But yeah. they
2: were all they were all professional uh, professors or or tops in their field. Yeah, researchers in their field. Yeah. And so.
3: Yeah, and then another thing too is uh, since they. They did build this, and they did experience this. Uh, The scientific uh, processes that they can complete now, um, they can do a lot of different researches on different things. The one in particular was the rainforest that when we were there last time, it was uh, shut down because they they turned off everything. They wanted to see uh, how the rainforest would uh, come back after being uh, neglected for a bit. And in a and, drought situation, yeah. And so when they did uh, return the rainforest to its natural uh, environment, uh, once they got water into it, it, they the rainforest came back about eighty percent of the the trees and plants that were in there.
2: And it she said they came right back away. rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. within
3: two weeks, some two of the week, yeah. plants started greening weeks. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's really interesting that it's available for for research to take. Uh, and, uh to use uh like maybe in the ocean they could uh do some research on uh, ocean coral or something like that um in these little areas to see how it will uh, survive in certain uh, uh environments yeah
1: temperature and mm-hmm. ad- the acidity uh right. acidity changing in the water mm-hmm. that you know, like the, the co2 the- from the, the CO two and yeah, so that yeah, they, they kind of get a baseline and then they can tweak the system and control right. And it can, it's a controlled experiment right. to some extent. And, and the ocean
2: we... is an actual ocean. Yeah. they, they yeah, said it was... it's the largest indoor ocean in the world.
0: I think they said it was eight hundred thousand gallons.
2: Something like that. And it that. had
0: several different kinds of coral and crustaceans and fish. It used to.
2: It used yeah.
3: to right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and without that uh, building, we wouldn't be able to do these little research uh, experiments experiments yeah so that that's really cool I think
1: yeah, yeah. just the scale of the building like the uh, one of the rooms that you go into or one of the biozones is they the, the uh, rainforest and when you walk in that door, first of all, you, as soon as you go in, it's all of a sudden, I don't know, 90 degrees or something and humid. in
2: there. 90% humidity. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's just like dank, like you would oh. expect. And then stuff growing, uh, you know, these these all different kinds of plants. I forget how many were in Four, that. 400. Species.
0: Yeah, four hundred different species, and some grew to be ninety-one feet tall.
1: Yeah, so that, that that's the, gives you a scale for how tall that room is, right? So it has there's rock, there's a lot of rock work in there. A and, waterfall. And yeah, waterfall. But then you have plants growing all the way to the ceiling, and it's all glass supported by a metal frame. But all that glass is has pressed up against it now as plants mm-hmm. so here again it goes back to that a little bit of the Jurassic Park look it's like it's overgrown and it's you know kind of a little bit dark and it uh yeah it's it, it was like yeah get I could feel like you're in the depths of the jungle it was pretty cool <laughs> yeah, you know it it's a little glimpse but
0: and it did say that there was reptiles and amphibians in there
1: yeah And a few, well, we saw ants, we could see, and I saw one of the little tiny green bug crawling. So there were insects in there. And we saw some hummingbirds Hummingbirds. in the
0: desert,
3: the Sonora Desert Mm -hmm. room. Yeah, sure did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: John made an interesting comment when we were stepping outside. He says, isn't it amazing the amount of work and the amount of effort that the scientists and the scientific community uh it's now owned by the university of of arizona it was owned by another university beforehand and he says isn't it amazing the amount of effort they have made to try and replicate nature what is naturally found and i hadn't really put all that together but it's just phenomenal the amount of of work that we have to do to try and recreate what nature has naturally created and we still don't understand a quarter of what we've tried to
1: create in that built in that facility. Yeah. You 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 just realize how much I mean it, it... You hear it a lot in the press, and everybody talks about the interconnectedness of things. But when you try to recreate an entire ecosystem with all the, you know, getting the soil right, getting the pH right, getting the, you know, the moisture right, and the changes in seasons and the drainage, you you know, drainage and you know the the and they didn't really, I would say, from what at least what I could tell today, you didn't have that whole. Predator-prey. You don't have the full range from all the different, from bacteria all the way up to large mammals or or reptiles in those facilities. I mean, they, they haven't fully even embraced all that and how they impact a, an ecosystem. And even with all that facility and everything they've done, I, I went in thinking, well, it must all be solar powered, et cetera, et cetera. But no, they have they have they also run they have a uh, generator yeah they have a generator that has they have a diesel backup system they have a natural gas system mm-hmm. because it requires so much energy just to try and replicate the heating and cooling that the earth does naturally mm-hmm. they have to do that artificially to even do an experiment to replicate the earth i mean it's it's just like there's too many things to even think of to really do what you want to do with a facility like that
0: and they don't have the weather systems natural disasters going on yeah
1: yeah it's just The world is there. The earth is so dynamic. It's just it made me when I stepped out. That's what it made me appreciate. It's like wow, we live in such a dynamic planet, Mm -hmm. and we can't as much as smart as we are as humans. We can't replicate it, even with what appeared to be almost a limitless supply of money. In that case, yeah, exactly. It's
2: it's it's an amazing place, and I think all of us would agree that if you are ever in Arizona and you don't visit the biosphere too i mean if you're in between tucson Mm -hmm. or phoenix you're you're an hour from phoenix you're an hour from tucson and if you don't go there and visit your visit really is not complete yeah
1: yeah it's especially it's i think it's especially good if you go in with the mindset of like look what we're trying to do here try try to understand what's trying to be done there and how difficult it is and and why it's so important we understand the world around us so we can not have to rely on a biosphere <laughs> right exactly. we we can live in a we can live an amazing planet without having to live in a biosphere we can use it as an experiment to, you know to try different things but we
3: can live in biosphere one
1: right there you go
2: <laughs> okay well there's our our review of biosphere two hopefully you enjoy it and as we always finish it out the world is full of wonder Get out and explore and have an absolutely wonderful day. Day.
0: Haul the roll and go, where am I to go meet Johnny? Where am I to go?
1: For I'm a young and a sailor
0: lad and where am I to go?